0: Canadians <laughs> <laughs> right. oh, love your shirt by the way that's fantastic thank you
1: <laughs> thank you I've got this one that says let's talk about sex and I've got another one that says got lube
0: <laughs> that's fantastic
2: I'm going to I'm going to try to forego the video because um, I think that might be what caused the problem
0: all right it's okay I'm, I'm the pretty one out of the two of us anyway
2: <laughs> but I've got the new magnificent Eric and Gord t shirt on. And I don't spend to the wash. Um, alright, let's keep going. I'll just do a quick little intro before I say hi, Eric. Uh hi there. Happy Tuesday. It's March the third, twenty twenty, and I'm Eric talking at you once again from Kelowna, British Columbia, Canada, where earlier today I had an abortion joke, but uh I decided not to keep it. <laughs>
3: that's amazing
2: (laughs) (laughs) how you doing guys uh welcome everybody to what if we're right today we welcome to the show Raylene let me get this right Toskowski 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 how are you welcome
1: I'm good how are you
2: I'm very excited about today I've been really looking forward to this talk Um, why don't you tell our listeners who you are?
1: Uh, Well, as we said, I'm Raylene Toskoski. I am a speaker and a comedian with a stage show called Stand-Up Comedy Sex Ed and a keynote speech called Let's Talk About Sex, The Value of Open, Honest Discussions About Women's Sexual Health.
2: Which um, for us, I think is really important because I think it's a very uh, uncomfortable conversation for men to get involved in <laughs> uh so uh that that's kind of where i know that's where i'm coming from is that uh, for me it's it's almost unknown um <laughs> uh,
1: that's but, why i made it into a comedy show it is easier to educate you guys if we can keep you laughing at the same time
2: that's exactly and i noticed very in, true in watching your comedy uh the the reaction was kind of funny because it all kind of starts to a oh my God, what the hell is she talking about? And then into a laugh. Like with, with almost every joke, it was like, you could see the women going, oh my God, why is she talking about that? And then you, when you got to your punchline, they'd loosen up and and, and laugh along with you. Do, you. do you find a lot that there's a lot of tension at the beginning or a, a lot of yeah? Any, Depending like, on how I
1: start. So if I start with something innocuous, talking about shaving and stuff like that, uh, it gets people right on board. And then when I get to the sex stuff, they're all, they're already loosened up. But um, if you're talking about my five minute that I have up on YouTube, where I start out with 2.8 minutes is how long it takes the average man to orgasm. Everybody just freezes, especially the guys. Um, and then I'll say, I bet you a couple of you guys feel pretty good about yourselves right now. <laughs> ah. <laughs> um, but I did have a guy heckle me. He was like bullshit. And I was at the time I was still super new as a comedian, so it kind of knocked me off my rhythm and I didn't have a um a response for that reaction. Uh but now I think I would just bust him down and I'm like, "Oh, okay, so it's just 2.8 seconds for you." <laughs> <laughs> You know. <laughs> That's what he as
2: gets. A, a, as a bit of a comedian myself, I, I still never really got the hang of dealing with hecklers. I'm always very impressed when people can because it's I, I rehearse it's so hard. much and I get so nervous before I go up there that uh, once you break my rhythm, it's really hard for me to get back into it.
1: Yeah, no, I saw one of yours today, Vagina Face. Oh, wow.
2: <laughs> that is ancient. That's a... <laughs> I like that one. There was actually it you would never know from the eight people that laugh in that thing, but there was actually eleven hundred people <laughs> in that room.
1: Oh no. It was God, uh, my terrifying. dream.
2: And I think that was uh that was about my third week of doing comedy. Uh, so oh that's
1: I'm... terrifying man.
2: Yeah, well it's it's uh sink or swim. Absolutely. Can I can I ask how how do you go from like it doesn't seem like a natural transition from, like, FEMA to stand-up. Is that... Uh...
1: <laughs> well, FEMA was just something that I did when during Hurricane Katrina, when um, they needed uh, people who were set and ready to go that they could trust. Um, and I was a firefighter at the time. So oh, wow. I went down there for 30 days just to do do what needed to be done. And it wound up being pretty good because what they needed was secretarial and management type stuff. And I had that. So, yes, I could, you know, do CPR and, and you know, do EMS stuff and chop firewood and move sandbags. But I what they really needed was people who could uh, manage and uh, operate the computers and get the paperwork done. And so it wound up being a really good experience for me. But where it started was I've been a consultant for an uh, in in-home adult party company for the last 13 years. And I, uh, every time I did a party, somebody would say, oh, you should be a stand-up comic. But I had tried comedy for like three weeks when I was 27. And I was like, "That that's scary. I don't want to <laughs> do that. People are judging me. <laughs> it's very difficult. Um, and so I said, no, I'm, I'm not a standup comic. And so about four years ago I had a a business coach and she said, what's your favorite part of the party? And I said, the favorite part of the party is when they are laughing and they are crying and they are peeing themselves and they're getting migraines. And you know, that's my favorite part. And she said, well, then um, what about in the shopping room when you're getting them the products that are going to be right for them and right for their relationship? And I'm like, no, that's how I make money. If I could just tell the jokes and then mic drop and walk the fuck out, that would be
3: <laughs> ideal.
1: And so then she said, you need to go do stand-up comedy. And I was like, no, 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 no. I'm I'm not going to do that. It's not, not my thing. And she said, well, you know, you paid me a lot of money to be your business coach. And I'm just telling you right now to go do it. So on uh, April 5th of, what, four years ago, I got on stage at the Funny Bone for the very first time. And I'm not going to lie, I killed it. I did a really, really, really solid five minutes because it came right out of my parties. And I just, you know, rewarded it a little bit so it was more for comedy and less for sales. And I got two gigs from that. Um, And then from there, it just kind of took off. But as you probably know, comedy does not pay. (laughs) No. Until you're famous, it doesn't pay shit but selling sex toys pays really, really well.
0: <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Never would have necessarily thought that, but then again, makes sense. Sex exactly. toys is a billion dollar industry, so that makes sense.
1: Especially if you're educating and entertaining at the same time. So, so many people come in and am like, I'm not into this. There's nothing here for me. I'm just here to support my friend. And at the end, they're like, me first, me first. Let me get in the shopping cart. <laughs> and I want to try this. <laughs> yeah. But it's because they didn't know or they didn't understand or they didn't have uh, a frame of reference or they weren't raised with anything, which is also how I was raised. So it it makes a difference. And I... then a couple of years ago, I just decided that I really wanted to up the ante on on doing the comedy and to really push I wanted it to be co-ed but our our parties are not co-ed but I thought guys do need to hear this but they don't need need to necessarily hear it in an in home party with other women and so I had purchased the domain stand-up comedy sex ed like five years ago and I was just holding on to it and then one day I was stressing out about money and bills and I got up in the middle of the night, because that's what I do. If I can't sleep, I won't toss and turn. I'll just get up. And I walked into my living room, and there was a book sitting there. And it was, you are a badass at making money. And I picked it up, and I opened to the first page. And it was just like this massive epiphany of, why aren't you taking the thing that you love to do and the thing you're amazing at, mix them together, and do stand-up comedy sex ed? And so I did.
0: Genius, really.
2: I think I ah. I bought the opposite of that book. It was, you were a badass at coming up with horrible ideas that'll never make money. <laughs> and I read that almost every night.
3: Well, Did you, know, so you we find, a um,
2: the, what, what's the response from men on average? Is it, are they?
1: Well, they love it. Yeah. They absolutely <laughs> love it. Yeah. Um, what I love, I'm a words of affirmation person. So is immediately after a show, I will go stand at the door to collect my, you know, my pats on the back and my good jobs. And women have always found me funny. But when I get a guy who walks out and he's like, oh, my God, I laughed so hard I almost peed. That right there is just straight up gold in the bank because guys don't say I laughed until I peed very often.
2: Whereas women, no, we say it all guys, the time. Guys t- don't tend to admit to incontinence under any circumstance.
1: Exactly. Right. Does that
0: make us exceptions, Eric? (laughs) 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 I don't want to get into detail.
1: (laughs) It's really kind of gratifying. And um, I mean, I think my biggest fan right now is a guy that came to my show in February. Wait, this is February, October. And he came with his wife and his mother-in-law. And he said, I just came because my wife said that one of her friends was doing comedy and I was prepared to just sit here and be polite um, and listen to an amateur for like 20 minutes and he said and I laughed for the entire time I was here and he says I'm positive you're going to be famous (laughs) so I signed a napkin (laughs) I know step it up up. yeah so I signed a shirt for him so if I am famous, that'll be worth something someday.
0: Yeah, that's awesome.
2: <laughs> well, you're, you're guaranteed to be a massive celebrity in Canada now. Which, I'm uh, excited.
1: I want to do I want to do comedy in Canada someday. That's on my bucket list.
0: We uh, love comedy, in Canada. We're all about it. That's that's pretty much if it's if we're not
2: apologizing, we're laughing. So that's true. Perfect. Um, We've we got some. Uh, there's very little support for comedians in Canada, unfortunately. We've got yuck-yucks, and that's that's about it. But um, it's a it's not a bad scene if you can get in. It's hard to get in here, but... Yeah. But you're, you're going through all the proper channels now, I tell you.
1: Once you've got Eric
2: <laughs> and Gord in the back pocket, we are massive up here.
1: Perfect. <laughs> I've got another good friend who does comedy there. He does a lot of cruise ships, which... Is I know for some people, they're like, oh, cruise ships are, you know, they're not, they're disrespectful of cruise comics. But I mean, for me, as a huge fan of cruising, I'm like, could I have a better life? (laughs) Like, to get paid to go on a cruise ship, to sit in the sun, to tell jokes for 20 minutes a night? I mean, I don't know what kind of standards other people are ruling their lives by, but fuck yeah, let me be a cruise comic. (laughs) I don't see the downside to that.
2: I think comedy, if you're not on the road sweating it out for 300 days a year and making no money and going home miserable at the end of it and for some reason you don't get respect from other comics.
1: Yeah, uh, I am definitely taking a different path.
2: Well, that's good.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm making money at these shows. I'm making good money at these shows. And and I, I pay my host real well. And, you know, I make sure that I give shout outs to the people who treat me well. And so some people are like, well, you're not a real comic. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm making real money. So, ha ha. (laughs) (laughs) I
0: I think somebody could just suck a big one on that one. Exactly.
1: (laughs) And I've got one that I show in my demo that they can go ahead and use. (laughs) So what's...
0: No, I actually, I got to say this... um, Years ago, I've had a couple of friends that used to do those, uh, the sex toy get-togethers with the women. And um, one year, I actually got invited because, well, I'm I'm way more open minded I'm practically a woman as it is. (laughs) I have my own boobs, so it kind of (laughs) works. So uh, I went to the the first one, which ended up being one of, I think, five I ended up going to. I just had a blast. Um, But... Every time I went, there was always one particular device that just every time just made my draw drop to the floor, and hilarity always ensued. It, it was it was the one that looks like a giant tongue that wiggles and moves. Do you remember? Have you ever seen that one?
1: Um, we used to have one. It was called the Tongue of Fun.
0: I that might be the one. It's it was, it was just. Every time she goes, Well, here's this new one, they bring this home with, oh, you know, just, <laughs> I just die of laughter when this thing came. I'm just like, I just, every toy I, I get, I can get the function of the I get everything about it, but that was the one thing every time that always got me until, um, until one uh, grouping where, um, they were a little while well, they, they were drinking, so it's a little more loosey goosey with things. And they were actually taking some of these toys and trying them. They would go into like oh. a back room and try some of them, which that was not uh, my company. <laughs> no, um, but for the record, uh, hearing a woman scream from the bathroom with that tongue was a very eye opening experience.
3: <laughs>
1: yeah, well, so that's... maybe
0: there's a point to this thing. <laughs>
1: See, and that unfortunately is one of the reasons that women will avoid parties because they think that that kind of thing is going to go on at all parties and yeah, no. it's not fair to those of us who do good ethical proper appropriate <laughs> educational and entertaining shows but it's stories like that that really freak people out and they don't want to they don't want to come and be educated and that's that's a shame it's a funny story but it's a shame
0: i agree i mean like i said i it's, well it's, it's the same thing of when they say like you know uh, the difference between a guy going to the strip club and a woman going to the strip club you know like i used to never i would never allow like a, a girlfriend or my ex wife whatever ever say you're never going to one of the, to see the male guys cuz i hear what goes on there it's just not as bad as we think you know
1: <laughs> exactly
0: but, <laughs> there's always that one bad experience so,
1: so on or, that on that <laughs> being what's it was good for that one girl
3: yeah right <laughs>
2: What do you think is the biggest misconception that men have when it comes to this subject of women's health in general? What's the.
1: Oh, I can tell you easily is that if if we need lube, they're not doing their job. And that's 1000 percent wrong. Seventy five percent of women need lubricant to keep things slippery. There's a lot that goes on with our arousal and medications and birth control pills and stress and true, sometimes not enough foreplay all can factor into how well we're lubricated. If we're not lubricated, we are not having fun. So no, that of course is not. 100% the thing that guys will be like, oh, you're just not turned on by me. And that is so not true. And, and it's unfair. And it's unfair to put the onus back onto the woman if she's not lubricated enough and he's, you know, saying you're not aroused. She could be very aroused, but she could have a million different reasons why the lubrication isn't heavy enough. And mm-hmm. that, and that's why I said like 75% of wa- women need a good water-based lubricant to keep things slippery.
0: And um, I love the fact that it's gone over the water-based now instead of the silicone because it right. works so much better.
1: Right, and it feels more natural.
0: And it doesn't smell. It's not that weird? That the silicone one stinks of that weird rubber smell. It's kind of gross. Right,
1: exactly. Silicone's <laughs> good for back door. If you're going in the back door, you want a lubricant that doesn't soak in. But if you're going in the vagina, you've got to have a lubricant that works with you, feels like you, and doesn't interrupt the moment of passion. Yeah, and absolutely
2: that's huge. Especially if you've got two point eight seconds to pull it off. Two
1: point eight minutes. 2.8 well, know, two point eight minutes. No, Eric's
2: talking personal there. Yeah.
1: <laughs> right. Well, you know what? Here's here's the truth. If your partner is on the edge, which means you've done enough foreplay, you can orgasm together in two point eight seconds or thirty seconds, as which... long as, as long as you've gotten gotten her to the point where she's ready to orgasm by the time you penetrate. You can very easily come together.
0: That experience is hands down one of the greatest feelings in the world when you both come together. Oh, absolutely! It is. It, it, it's a. It, I call it's. It's the game changer, without a doubt.
1: Game
2: right. of the day. <laughs> there's there's
1: there's two keys. One is she needs to be aroused enough for that to happen, and yes. uh, penile penetration does not arouse a woman. Almost all of our sex organ is on the outside or wrapped around. It's our, our clitoris is not that little three centimeter thing at the top. It's actually six to eight inches long and it wraps around through the vulva and around the vaginal canal, but it is closest to the surface of the skin where you can touch it right at the top. So again, with the 75%, I like to use that number because it, it borders on most women, but still leaves room for those who don't need lubrication or um, extra arousal that's where it's closest so most women will orgasm through fingers or through tongue or through their own fingers most women will not orgasm through penetration so like Gord just said if you're you know they're at the edge and you could do it together that's great but that also doesn't mean you've done anything wrong it could just mean that she's not getting proper clitoral stimulation so I learned like I don't know, six years ago when I was faking a lot of orgasms and I thought, how can you be the sex toy lady and fake your orgasms that sometimes I just have to participate. I know where my buttons are. I also like to be penetrated because when, when you're being penetrated, your vaginal muscles has something contract against, which gives you stronger orgasms. So if my husband gets me right to the edge and then there's penetration, I have no problem giving myself a little wiggle jiggle to help have it all go together, and he's not gonna complain because he just really wants to he just really wants me to enjoy it, which is props for him.
0: Absolutely. Now, um, see, I, I gotta be careful about my verbiage as um,
1: <laughs> don't we all <laughs> right?
0: you know um, but uh, I know that I'm an intense uh, lover. Uh, I'll put it that way. I'm very, very intense. I'm not about my pleasure. I am pretty much about 98% about hers. Awesome. Um, which is great, but apparently this kit that on its own can get frustrating for some women when I'm uh, apparently I get it, it's it's almost like it's I guess too much.
1: Yeah. Could be
0: which is a difficult thing for me because again, that just that just hurts the ego and thinking. Oh, I to that point and then passed and then all of a sudden it's like, yeah, no, you you y- killed it. <laughs> it's like, oh. <laughs> yeah, that
1: that can happen, uh, and that's generally not enough communication between the two of you at right. the time. Yeah, um, she needs to let you know when you're there, what you're doing, whether or not she's in, and there's just. When you're making love, you use all five of your senses, sight, sound, taste, touch, and smell. And especially for me, like I have ADD. So if there's a cat in the room, not going to orgasm. If there's a cat in the hallway, not going to orgasm. If he's got a hangnail on his finger, not going to orgasm. If I have a thought about something that is annoying me, chances are I'm not going to (laughs) orgasm. So (laughs) a lot of time it's not even anything you're doing, uh, but it is a communication but i'm sure she appreciates the effort that you're putting in
0: oh yeah she definitely does um, say so again oh. i got to be careful because her daughters listen to this show sometimes so
2: I gotta <laughs> so How old? But, uh, well they're, 19, they're old enough that they, they should be hearing this kind of stuff though yeah well, i, I mom
1: <laughs> i do wish that i could talk about sex to kids a lot younger than 18 because i love to talk about um masturbating which I know makes some people uncomfortable. Uh, but, you know, toys, not boys is what I always told my girls. <laughs> Safest. <laughs> Safest. <laughs> less grandchildren that way. Less diseases right? uh, that way. And more understanding what you need. So it's really hard to tell somebody how to get the, to the Tasty Freeze in Orlando if you've never been to the Tasty Freeze in Orlando, so if you know how to orgasm ahead of time, then you're not relying on somebody else to give you an orgasm. You are accepting one or, or participating in a sexual experience with your partner rather than just being <laughs> uncomfortable all the time.
2: But that the next 65 sense. girls I meet are going to hear the question, hey, have you ever been to the Tasty Freeze in Orlando? i'm gonna take you there (laughs) exactly that is my new pickup line and my daughter will never hear that phrase
1: ever there we i hope not (laughs) she's fine so she's not part of the it's important all of our our children understand because if we're calling it anything other than a vulva which is by the way the proper term because the vulva is the whole outside of the vaginal area and then you've got the vaginal canal if you call the whole thing your vagina, it's like calling your, your whole face. And that. Right. not your fault. It's because that's how previous generations were raised, where we were supposed to be embarrassed about our sex organs. And that's oh, not safe. And it's not fair. Um, and so, it, you know, we should never be embarrassed. It's a body part. And if you don't call your elbow a niner, then you shouldn't be calling your vagina a hoo-ha or your vulva <laughs> or your penis uh, a doodle. Well, Which I can uh,
2: without a doubt, I was having sex probably 10 years before I knew anything about what I was doing. <laughs> it, it was just <laughs> weren't we all? Let's do right, it. I was going to say. <laughs> it, it took me years to figure out that uh, you actually had to know something about this stuff. Uh, so I'm, I'm definitely the worst case scenario, but eager to learn now.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's the like... important part. When I first started doing the toy parties, my oldest daughter was 18, almost 19, and I did a party with her and her friends, and everybody was like, oh, my God, you're going to do a sex toy party for your daughter? And I was like, well, she lives with her boyfriend, so I'm going to assume she's having sex. If she's not, that's weird. If she (laughs) is, shouldn't it be good? Makes
3: sense.
1: like that's unusual, and I'm like, but that's what it is.
0: But is it smart? Yes. And that's the difference. Just because it's unusual doesn't make it a bad idea. No, it's a smart idea.
1: And so all three of my... Well, my oldest, like I said, was 18 when I started doing this, or maybe 17. I think she was 18. Um, My other two always wound up with all the information they ever needed. And I think having that information actually made it so they were less likely to have sex because they weren't curious. They just ask me anything they wanted and I would answer it. And for any of your listeners who have children and for you, Eric, because you have a five-year-old, if your kids ask you about sex, you have to answer their questions or they will ask someone else. And then you lose control of the narrative. But you have to make sure you have to make sure not to go too far. So whenever my daughter, my youngest would ask me about sex, I would say, what do you already know? That way I could get a frame of reference for what she was what she was asking. Because my middle daughter once told me she saw kids having sex on the bus. And before I was all like, ah, I'm going to call the school. Oh, my God, the end of the world. And I said, what What is having sex look like to you? She goes, they were kissing. Right? So
3: <laughs>
1: you have to ask that question, you know, um, what do you already know? Answer the exact question they asked with no fanfare or uh, making it bigger. And then when you're done, say, did I answer your question? Do you have any other questions? So if they ask you what's the deal with anal beads, which did happen to me. Uh, One of my daughter's friends asked me about anal beads. And I was like, well. My natural
2: answer would be, here's some money. Please don't ever ask that again. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: right. but it was because um she had a graduated pearl necklace like a bead necklace where the the you know it they look like anal beads i mean let's <laughs> let's be fair they did but one of the boys and this was in eighth grade one of the boys would go home and watch porn because his dad watched porn and he was a like a latchkey kid so he would go home and watch porn And whenever she wore the beads she would you know he would always say they look like anal beads. So in 8th grade this girl is asking me what's the deal with anal beads and I said, "Well, what do you know?" <laughs> and then I just answered it, you know, as as clinically as possible. Some people like to have their anus stimulated with beads. They're generally designed for guys, not girls because they're graduated. They stimulate the prostate gland. Does that answer your question? <laughs> yep. Like that was Wait, it. is
3: that
0: true? Is that really they were actually I didn't know that they're actually designed initially for For guys, for the prostate.
1: They are not. Wow. Not that women can't enjoy them, Mm -hmm. but women will generally enjoy uh, a butt plug because it has more of a feeling of fullness and it just kind of stays there. But those beads are designed to stimulate the prostate gland as you are gently removing them during penetration. Not. Pulling them out like a lawnmower. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're not starting a chainsaw. Guy.
1: Exactly. But yeah, no, they're they're there to plan. Yeah, right. Slow down, Eric. Slow down.
2: <laughs> I'm, I'm writing as quickly and as I, choose I can. Lou.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> now there is one big
0: topic I, I think that I think that needs to be discussed because I still to this day I hear this from a lot of Uh, People in general, which is the um, I don't think people really understand how different men and women are when it comes to masturbation and what it takes to as a general sort of rule of what it what each one requires when they're sort of alone. Um, Like, you know, women on them more than likely tend to be more uh, sensual. Like They can be in their head and think of a scenario and have their fun that way where guys have a tendency to usually need more of a visual stimulant. Yeah.
3: Um,
0: So I guess the question really comes in is um, when does, uh, well, A, I mean, I'm going to get rid of the obvious question because I hate the question in general because I think it's stupid, but is porn bad to use for guys when they're masturbating while they're in a relationship? And then B, at what point does it become a problem?
1: Well, it becomes a problem for certain when one or both identifies it as a problem. So whereas the guys say it's not a problem, but the girl says it is, that means she's bothered by it. And then it's a problem. Because if we're talking about communication, she's already telling you that bothers me. Um, I don't have a lot of experience with the porn conversation because it's not one that uh, I've had to have with my partner I mean I mean, one time we were in a hotel and you know Skinamax was on and by the time he delivered the pizza we were both like okay that's enough alright let's just do this <laughs> like, <laughs> it didn't take much for us we were just like
0: this scenario oh. was enough you know <laughs> I'm I get... telling
1: you even the Big Bang episode where she was just like oh my god uh, did you guys see that one do you have Big Bang in Canada oh yeah yes. of course Okay, Big Bang Theory. When when the when the the naughty professor and she was like, okay, so you're here to collect my rent. Let me go switch into something less comfortable. And I was like, that's almost enough for me. Just. Yeah. <laughs>
3: <stop it." laughs> um,
1: I do know that uh, I I know of someone who became desensitized to having a partner because his grip was probably so strong that the average vagina wasn't strong enough to stimulate him anymore and my advice to the the woman uh was you need to tell him to just stop he's got to go cold turkey and he's got to get some of that sensitivity back because yes you can desensitize your penis yes you can desensitize your clitoris you're not going to break it forever But you can certainly desensitize it to the point where you're just like, okay, I need I need to give that a break.
0: (laughs) So, what about a scenario where, uh, like, because you made reference to this one, we say where the woman says to the guy, like, you know, I have a problem with you masturbating to porn. Now, whether it's you know, like, like, it's not an issue in the sense of it's not affecting the sex life, it's not affecting the intimacy, all that part is still there. She just doesn't like the idea. How does that, like, does it, do you have to, as, as a guy, do you have to keep it as a secret now? I mean, does it have to be that hidden thing, which I well, I don't agree with. I think that's just frustrating. I think it should be an open yeah. discussion, but what do you do in that scenario?
2: Well, on the same that's hand, you don't want it scattered like all around your apartment and you go, hey, never, this
0: is just, you got to deal with it. This is who I am. No, <laughs> no, obviously.
1: The most important thing is to have, a a good fair discussion on why it bothers her and why it's important to you. And so you say, is it that maybe she has issues with, um, you know, she thinks that the women on the, maybe she, does she have an issue with porn in general or does she have, okay. Then that's a different conversation. And that's, that's not really a sexual conversation. That's more of a ideological conversation between the two of you. Um, I wouldn't hide it because if you get caught, she's going to be hurt and pissed and and whatever. But, you know, it might just have to be one of those things where you agree to disagree unless it's really affecting your relationship. And then you just need to decide, is the porn more important or is your partner more important?
2: I know I had a girlfriend who uh, very seriously believed that there wasn't a single woman in the history of porn that ever did it willingly. And that was her problem with porn, that they were all horrible victims of some terrible scenario. And they ended up. In, in porn and it made her very uncomfortable, not that I had it, but that it existed in general. Yeah. So, uh, and and it, it was very, I, I went the natural route of just um, pretending I threw it all out and then it never existed. <laughs> um.
1: <laughs> well, the problem with that is it automatically um, shames people who are sex positive and who do do it because they want to. And there's not to say that there's not a ton of abuse in that area, or let's just say some abuse. I'm not, I'm not speaking as an expert in, in any way on porn, but there are certainly women who just, and, and men obviously, who just love to have sex. And so however they got there, you can't really turn around and sex shame someone for their choices. No, absolutely.
2: i Maybe I'm off base on this. Do you find that's happening more? Like, we, where there's a bit of a, almost a reaction to, there was kind of a late 90s, 2000s, sort of a, uh, another sexual liberation, so to speak. And now it seems to be going the other way again, where there is a lot more shaming going on now. Is there that...
1: is a lot of shaming going on in every, every area of the world right now it's ridiculous exactly um i i I say if you if you (laughs) like porn watch porn if you don't like porn don't watch porn uh i mean like i said it really it just it's never been a real conversation for me but i have done some trainings through my company where they do talk about porn and how it affects people and um ask your ask your partner who doesn't like porn if it's if if the magazines are okay and then from there you can find out whether it's just that she really feels like the women are being taken advantage of or if she just doesn't want you looking at another naked woman
0: i think a lot of it just from by our conversations comes out from um you your you to another woman playing well, you're, you're not thinking of me you're thinking of somebody else
1: okay well there's your answer so it's not a it's not has nothing to do with the porn she doesn't want you looking at anybody else so you could suggest she make you a video
0: <laughs> well that was my idea but that got <laughs> shot down real fast <laughs> <laughs> and in today's day and age of things getting hacked i fully understand and support that decision but Amen. um you know it's, it's just you know like this isn't the first time I've heard of this being a problem. It's not that it's something that I've always helped, had an issue with, but it's, it's something that I've heard a lot throughout my life from guys and girls, where girls yeah. always, yeah, you know, when we're not together, he's over there jerking off the fucking porn. I'm like, well, so D- has he ever turned you, Like, when you guys are intimate, has he ever turned you down? Has he ever treated you like you think they get treated in porn? Well, no. Well then shut the fuck up. Who? Wh- what do you care?
2: But if, I know let's be honest, if, if there was no porn, if, if you weren't looking at porn, how many times in your life have you ever masturbated and thought about your partner? Like, uh, honestly, Never. it's, it's, it's,
1: but it's, it's an inci, no matter what,
2: you know, I've definitely been there because I had a girlfriend who, uh, we lived together and she would keep hers like on full display in the bathroom. Like they were just there and it was just like, <laughs> it was constant competition.
1: <laughs> And some days it just looks sweaty and tired,
2: <laughs> it, or just like it was mocking me. It would always just be there, like, even the, the medicine, even the dildo pops off, <laughs> even the and always just off. in perfect shape and ready to go, and <laughs> uh, a little bit
1: never I'm complaining, never have to shave. Yeah.
0: See, I have a I have a solution to that though. Any guy that is that is worried about that, I have a solution. You can get those silicone molds for your dick.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: You
0: get one of those. Now she's not fucking some random plastic thing. She's still fucking your dick. Exactly. You're you're just not there at the moment. But every time she touches it, you know she's gonna be at some point, usually immediately usually beforehand, not during, but at some point she's gonna be thinking
1: Wish this was the- bigger. Right.
3: <laughs>
2: I Doesn't worry like that if I inserted I myself today. into yeah. a silicone mold, I may not need the girlfriend anymore.
1: There you go. <laughs> I my solution is that I never use the toy on my own. I my husband is the keeper of the toys, oh, so wow. he decides where and when we will use them. Usually, anytime we're in a hotel. <laughs>
0: Oh, yeah. Um, (laughs) Those are the freakiest times.
1: And, you know, I learned a long time ago. I know, like I said, I wiggle with the jiggle with the two fingers. I've been masturbating since I was four. I don't need anything for that. But if we're going to use toys, security, partner to be part, who cares how they get there as long as they do it with you? Right. And I think that's kind of where he just he's like, oh, well, she really likes this thing. So let me just use it. You know, on the days I don't want to be down there for a half an hour. <laughs>
0: <laughs> See, I am i I'm a, I'm a. You bring whatever you want into that bedroom. Whatever gets you off, bring it in. I, I have no qualms, no fears, no second thoughts. I'm not jealous of it. I know I'm. Be- I will perform better than all of them. I firmly believe that. I don't care what she says. <laughs> you know, well, but yeah, it's just it's just, it's a. That's just a straight up thing of just. I've never why be afraid of something that can enhance
1: right so i
0: just why fear it
1: there's a big difference between making love and having an orgasm
3: Mm.
1: and then if you mix them together you know you can sometimes boost it up but nobody's making love to a toy your toy is not going to turn you on Toy is not going to pull your hair, slap your ass, squeeze your nipples, call you Sally, <laughs> whatever turns you on. Your toy is not going to do it. All it's going to do is go zzzz, unless you paid extra for it. Then it'll go zzzz. zzzz, zzzz. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's for the guys. I like to say this. So let's just say you got a. Uh,